This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Susie Ann, in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. 31 years ago, something huge happened for millions of people in this country. President George H.W. Bush signed the Americans with Disabilities Act. With today's signing of the landmark Americans for Disabilities Act, every man, woman, and child with a disability can now pass through once-closed doors into a bright new era of equality, independence, and freedom. This week, President Biden reaffirmed his commitment to the ADA, but said there was still more to be done. Many of us can still recall an America where a person with disability was denied service in restaurants and grocery stores, where an employer could refuse to hire you because of a disability. We've made important progress, but we still have work to do. So has the ADA been fully realized? What still needs to be done? Barry Taylor is vice president for civil rights and systemic litigation at Equip for Equality. They advocate for people in Illinois with disabilities. Barry, thanks for being here. Hi, happy to be here with you. Also with us is Karen Tamley. She's the president and CEO of Access Living, a Chicago-based disability and rights service organization. And she was there when the ADA was first signed in 1990. Karen, welcome to Reset. Thanks for having me. Well, Karen, let's start with you. Uh, More than three decades since the ADA, what's on your mind this week as you reflect on the progress made so far? Um, I think the ADA anniversary is always a time for reflection to see how much progress has been made since it was signed into law. As you mentioned, I had the opportunity just out of college when I was doing an internship for a disability rights lawyer in Washington to attend the signing ceremony. And little did I know at the time how significantly just the stroke of the president's pen would dramatically change my life and that of the lives of so many millions of others with disabilities. I'm a wheelchair user. I was born with my disability and grew up in a time before the ADA when there was very few expectations for disabled people, very few opportunities or accessibility. Um, You know, I grew up, I couldn't ride the public bus with my friends because they didn't have lifts. I couldn't cross the street in my wheelchair because there were no curb ramps. I routinely had to be carried into stores and restaurants because they weren't required to be accessible. I wasn't even allowed to go to my neighborhood school um, in my early years um, because of my disability. But the ADA really changed all that. And my life now is so different than it was before 31 years ago when that law was signed. And Barry, I want to turn to you. Um, Can you give a brief summary of of what the ADA covers? Sure. The ADA is very broad in its coverage in that it really covers all aspects of society. It covers employment, both private and public employers. It also covers private businesses that are open to the public. It also covers state and local government services, including uh, public transportation, and also includes telecommunications. So 
you know, the main thing that the ADA is trying to do is to ensure that people with disabilities are integrated into our society like anybody else. And by having this broad coverage, it really covers all aspects of life. And are there current legal challenges to the ADA, Barry? You know, over the years, there have been some challenges to the Americans with Disabilities Act. One of the most common ones we've seen is requiring a notice period before people could bring suit against a business. But fortunately, Congress has recognized that's really not something that's necessary. And Mm -hmm. for other protected classes, you don't have to give, you know, notice of racial discrimination or uh, national origin discrimination. Why should there be such notice of the ADA's requirements? And, you know, we're celebrating the 31st anniversary. It's been around a long time. Businesses should be aware and should be in compliance with the ADA. So that's one of the main things that we've seen. But as I said, that hasn't been successful. And Senator Duckworth was incredibly, I thought, thoughtful when she uh, opposed the last attempt to pass such legislation. Mm-hmm. Karen, you mentioned your life before the ADA and, and a little bit of mm-hmm. the uh, change after. Talk a little bit more about how things changed after the ADA. Uh, what was possible uh, that you couldn't do before it? Yeah, I mean, now I can ride any bus, public bus in the country, because they're all equipped with ramps. I can cross pretty much every street because there's curb ramps, right? I have a daughter who also has a disability, and the thought of sending her to a separate school just because of her disability is really unthinkable now. And not just for me as a wheelchair user, the changes have been significant for people with so many other types of disabilities. You know, the communication access that's that's now required, captioning and sign language interpretation mm-hmm. for individuals who are deaf and hard of hearing, and access for folks that are deaf or blind and low vision. You know, just opening up programs to people with all types of disabilities. There's just been so many changes that the life that my daughter now is experiencing is so different than the one that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, President Biden this week talked about COVID long haulers and his commitment to making sure they could potentially have protections and resources through the ADA. Barry, what kinds of symptoms could fall under the umbrella of disability? So the definition of disability is very broad. You have to show that you have a physical or mental impairment that substantially limits a major life activity. And what President Biden and the Department of Justice and the Department of Health and Human Services said was that people who have long COVID, it's likely they would be covered under the ADA. There is no per se disability, but what the president and the guidance say is that long COVID is a physical impairment. And so then all people would have to do is show that because of that impairment, they're substantially limiting some type of major life activity. So an example that was given is somebody who might have lung damage as a result of long COVID, they would just need to show that they are substantially limited in the major life activity of breathing or lung functioning, and then they should be covered. For a while, the ADA was interpreted very narrowly as far as the definition of disability, mm-hmm. but Congress fixed that back in 2008 with the ADA Amendments Act and basically said that people shouldn't spend a lot of time proving they're covered by the ADA, and we should instead focus on whether they've been treated differently because of their disability. So given that, is is there a kind of threshold a, a person would have to legally meet to qualify, or, or is it, as you say, just um, making sure that they haven't been treated differently? You still have to prove in court that you have a disability, but what the what Congress said is we don't want to spend a lot of time doing that. Mm, okay. um, before Congress acted, 
some cases were requiring people to provide experts and a lot of testimony. And Congress said, you know, we just want people to not be discriminated against. We don't want to spend a lot of time proving you have a disability. You don't prove a lot of time, you know, spend a lot of time proving you're covered by racial discrimination or religious discrimination. You just put forth some information, then you move on. And that's what Congress said. So you still have to show you're substantially limited in a major life activity. But again, the standard is, is fairly low these days. And really what Congress wants the courts to focus on is if people have been discriminated against or not. Karen, do you think the spirit and goal of the ADA has been fully realized? Um, well, I think that the ADA did more than just dismantle barriers. Um, it really got us to really transform how we think about disabled people and the disability community. I think the ADA was instrumental as one of the most sweeping disability civil rights laws in our lifetime to really shift our thinking away from disability from a medical model or a charity-based model that we as a community need to be fixed in order to participate in society Mm -hmm. to be more of a rights-based mindset that we are a community deserving of civil rights Um, and that it's not our disabilities that prevent us from, you know, having equal access. It's the world that's putting the barriers before us. And so I would say that. And yes, we've made so much progress, but we still have a long way to go. There's so many things that still need to be addressed. Uh, Many longstanding disparities that were really amplified as a result of the pandemic. Issues like poverty, widespread poverty, unemployment, the disability racial wealth gap is significant, mm-hmm. more opportunities for our community to live independently in the homes and communities of our choice with the supports that we need. Um, we still have very much of an over-reliance on institutional services and care rather than home and community-based services. So that is a huge area that needs to be worked on. But we were really thrilled to see President Biden talk about investments in home and community-based services. The other area which I think has really revealed itself during the pandemic as well is just um, the digital divide and how the digital world is now becoming our new front door of how we do business and where we get our information. And to me, it's almost the same as putting a ramp or a widened door into a building. It's how we accessing public accommodations through digital platforms and through websites. And there's still a lot of work to be done to not only make the digital world more accessible to people with disabilities, but to address the digital divide and the sheer number of folks in our community that don't still have Internet connectivity or devices to get what they need. Mm-hmm. So still still more work to be done. And you also mentioned President Biden's recommitment. But do you think that uh, his recommitment goes far enough? Um, I think what he did was really, really important. Um, First, just reaffirming the administration's commitment to the ADA. When he was Senator Biden, he was one of the co-sponsors of the ADA. And so he knows about the law and he's he's a strong, longtime supporter of the ADA. But we were really pleased to just see the pronouncements about investing in the caregiving economy, about eliminating the sub-minimum wage, which Mm -hmm. unfortunately... A lot of people don't know that it's yeah. still legal to pay disabled people less than a minimum minimum wage. And his administration is committed to um, eliminating that. Um, he talked about investments in um, more special ed teachers, the caregiving economy, home and community services that I mentioned. And again, what Barry talked about with 
the guidance around long-haul COVID as a disability is really, really important to so many people that are now emerging in our community. So we were really pleased to see the announcements that um, President Biden came out with. Um, but we also know that there's, there's a lot more work still to be done. Well, I want to ask you both, when it comes to additional protections, what would you like to see on a policy level from lawmakers, particularly in Chicago and Illinois? Uh, Barry, I'll start with you. Sure. There's two that come to mind. One is, I think one thing that Pam and Adamick also revealed was uh, the importance of people being able to vote uh, by mail because of concerns about being in person for voting. But for folks who are blind uh, or have other print disabilities, you know, they haven't been able to vote privately and independently because ballots have not been able to be sent, marked, and returned privately and independently because they haven't been able to be done that digitally in Illinois. Mm. And so one of the things I think that a lot of us are going to be working on in this next year is to get legislation passed to ensure that all people, including people who are blind and have print disabilities, will be able to vote privately and independently. And then the other is a national uh, bill uh, called the All Stations Accessibility Program, or ASAP. And what that's trying to do is, I think, really supplement what the ADA has already provided. Um, the ADA provides that certain stations, like train stations and L stations in Chicago, have to be accessible. And the CTA has done quite a bit, but there's still a, a number of stations that haven't been made mm -hmm. accessible yet because they're not technically required by the ADA, and also it requires a lot of funding. And so um, this new legislation that Senator Duckworth has taken the lead on uh, would provide grants to transit organizations to uh, make sure that the remaining stations are made accessible. Mm -hmm. I think immediately of the Belmont Blue Line stop, which they poured tons of money in and mm -hmm. not accessible. Uh, well, Carrie, same question to you. Uh, we've been talking about a recommitment on a federal level to boosting protections for folks with disabilities. But is there something you'd like to see done locally with lawmakers here? As a wheelchair user, greater investments in our public transit infrastructure is absolutely key. Really thinking about some of the root causes um, of what's led to the high unemployment rate of our community. I'd like to see greater investments in education for students with disabilities, greater investments in infrastructure generally, as well as investments in affordable and accessible housing, as well as community-based services. Um, particularly in our state of Illinois. So those are some of the things that I think are really essential for our community to have equal access and, and live out full lives in the community. Mm -hmm. Well, as we wrap up here, um, I want to ask you both, what do you want people to think about when it comes to allyship? Uh, Barry, I'll, I'll start with you. Well, I guess I just would back up what Karen said, is that disability should be seen as a civil right, um, just like other protected classes, and that people shouldn't be, you know, pitying people with disabilities or thinking about, you know, how they can assist them medically. It's, it's about uh, not only removing physical barriers, but also attitude barriers and removing those and just thinking of people with disabilities as, as any other citizen and having them be part of our rich fabric of society here in Chicago and Illinois. Mm -hmm. uh, it's part of diversity. And, and not only do people with disabilities benefit when they're included, but all of us benefit by having a diverse uh, society, including people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. And Karen, I'll give you the final mm -hmm. word. Sure. I mean, I think we need to remember that disability is the one community that anyone can join at any time, right? Due mm -hmm. to accident, injury, illness, aging, 
or being born with your disability. And we are one of the most diverse segments of our population. We intersect with so many other communities, right? So I would say advancing disability rights are advancing rights for all of us, no matter what stage of life that we're at, um, whether it's now or into the future. And um, when we think about advancing accessibility and inclusion, um, we open up worlds for so many people and um, we make products, places, and spaces that are going to be usable and inclusive for every single person. So there's all the reasons that we should all be investing and getting behind um, advancing disability rights and upholding the promise of the ADA. That's Karen Tamley, the president and CEO of the Chicago-based Disability and Rights Service Organization. We've also been speaking with disability rights attorney Barry Taylor with advocacy organization Equip for Equality. Thank you both for speaking with us. And that's today's Reset. For more stories with people who are working to make a difference in Chicago and beyond, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast and leave us a rating and review. It only takes a couple of seconds and it really helps other people find us. I'm Susie Ann. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you back here tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.